Welcome to the Religiously Offensive Podcast. no idea that the nearest exit ramp is like you know in his i mean in his little turtle body it's going to take him about 20 minutes to get to and he's got to pick the right direction yeah he tells he's screwed and he's probably sitting there thinking i'm almost there uh, who knows he's probably just like this is how it ends i saw a video like, of a I turtle like, sleeping it was the funniest most peaceful thing i've ever seen is literally just his head was sticking up he was the bottom of the ocean his head was sticking <laughs> up like and bubbles were just coming but out. don't they breathe air uh yeah Maybe he was meditating. There's no way to, to turtles sleep. But turtles, turtles okay, come well, from the ocean, though. Do whales sleep? Like, how do these animals breathe oxygen? Nah, I mean, I also think, sleep. Whales just like, chill on the surface. They float up by the surface when they sleep. That's so funny. How There's many, a lot how of many, marine mammals. How many animals you've never seen sleep, right? Okay, we clearly didn't they get either the rest of this. quietly in the water, vertically or horizontally, or sleep while swimming slowly next to another animal. I bet there's animals wow. like turtles. That's evolution. Turtles chill in the ocean. They like only sea sleep turtles. for 30 minutes. A day? <laughs> yes. How long oh, do man. whales sleep for? Life hack. I need to get that crisper, some of that sleep turtle DNA. Dude, you kidding me? <laughs> that was whale. Turtles are longer. Oh, okay. This is I like, need to get some of that whale this DNA. This is like that, uh, what was that new Jurassic World, the second movie, where they're just like, we're just going to make a Petri dish of all the best parts of all the dinosaurs, and it's probably going to be fine. That's every and it movie. wasn't. That's every movie after the first one, actually. So, <laughs> so CRISPR now, it's like, give me a little turtle. Yeah. Give me a little whale. whale. <laughs> Interesting. While we're talking, are we, are we going? Some spider. Can I walk mm. on the walls? That'd be dope. Mm -hmm. um, are we going? We are. This is we okay. So, Do you this see was the red br blinking light. That's right. Okay. I, I now that I know, I will never need to ask oh, you. I, I am sorry. Okay. Right here's... before I drop a bomb, I look up real quick to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> Nagasaki. Um, okay. Here's a predicament. What do you do? Well, I know what most people would do. I currently have one gloriously built wasp nest outside my back door, right? <laughs> so, we're going to go outside hanging patio once you get past the the overhang mm -hmm. look to your right about 15 feet that way i'm talking this thing's big we're, we're looking at at least six inches in diameter and they're like they're building that honeycomb and it's i mean incredible. it is just colony i think I we're at i don't think colony they, status all right i don't think they make honey though right so here's my predicament most people just face value are gonna be like murder all of those things can you milk a wasp i'm sorry I was just curious. It, can you milk a wasp? Well, not you, to get into the meet the foxers. You can milk anything with nipples. That's what I heard. I don't know if wasps, <laughs> wasps have, have nipples. nipples. My Google. If anybody looks at my Google search history, <laughs> I've got nipples, Greg. <laughs> can Fokker. you milk me? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here's my predicament because I don't know how to explain it other than the fact that I knew when I saw this thing, I was like, "Bro, those little guys have been working so hard." Blood, sweat, no. tears, their entire life. And it's like, I'm just going to be the guy that comes out here and is just like, genocide! Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to just end everything for all of them. Mm -hmm. and, and then I start thinking. I'm just like, you know, I think wasps. Also, is wasps... Maybe they're misunderstood. 
That's what I'm saying. I'm like, we have had zero incidences to date. Like, we've never been stung by any of them. Yeah, until you are. And then that sucks. Okay. Well, we can cross that bridge when we get there. No, the problem is you're going to cross the line with them, and you're not going to know it. And then they're going to send a couple of their attack wasps out and there. And this is why I did my research. So we we delved into this thing, right? Okay. About the different kind of wasps, aggressive tendencies, which ones you got to watch out for. So we're pretty confident, based on the structure of the colony and the look of the wasps, that they're paper wasps. I wish I had the time that you have. You know, it's like life is great. Never have children. I don't know. Or do. I mean, Never have I'm children. sure it's a feeling. Yeah. Um, on purpose. Paper yeah. wasps are nasty, right? I don't know. I mean, they look, in, they look intimidating, but this has always been my vibe. It's like, hey, look, man, I'm, I'm going to try to be unthreatening. And like, if you, if you, if any of you bite me one time, you all die. You're all screwed. It's yeah. like, you know, I just feel like we have an understanding. It's like zero tolerance policy. But here's the crazy thing is then I started looking into this and like a colony of wasps can kill up to like 4,000 bugs a day. And I'm just like, dude, these are my watchers. What kind of bugs? Like think about how secure my backyard is, dude. Like I never need to have pest control. Have you ever seen a wasp killer? I don't know. They had those like murder hornets like last year. Those are pretty intense. Yeah. A wasp killer is a massive thing. Wait. Is it a wasp or is it a thing that kills? It's a wasp killer. Um, so just a bigger version? Well, I didn't want to start this video. I don't know what it's doing. Because we had those murder murder hornets. Uh, was it last year? They were just like decapitating bees for fun. Just some gnarly like, stuff. Like that big. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah that was, um, we, like that's that. concerning. When Hurricane Irma broke our screen, uh, it broke one side of the screen, and I didn't. I I needed parts to get it repaired, and they were all in back order because everyone needed their stuff. So I put a tarp there for a while. Sometimes the tarp would fall down, and then it would just become like because the insects couldn't get out the other side. So it was just a giant net that all the insects were getting stuck in. So like we oh, had it's like tons a big bug trap, of bugs in there. Yeah, snakes, bugs, everything. Um, snakes, I no. So. No. There's this. I look up, dude. I see this thing. It looks like a little bird. It's so big. Like, and I'm just. It looks like a wasp, right? And I'm just like uh, a bird-sized wasp. Well, it's what I just showed you. <laughs> a wasp killer. It's like they're apparent, apparently they're not like they don't you know do anything to humans, but they kill wasps. Wasps. <clears throat> and it's like also is what wasp feels like it should be one of those like sheep words where it's like I have one sheep. I have ten sheep. Like I have I have ten wasp. <laughs> it's profound. Like to add an extra it S. It makes wasps. a lot of sense. It makes a like lot that of is, sense. I, I need to. Google did, <laughs> did you finish your story? I don't remember the punchline. What happened? So uh, no, at this point, I'm just like, dude, these guys are like literally my neighborhood watch, like squad. Like, yeah, these guys are police in the backyard, and like, I'm not lying. Uh, ever since that thing got like, I mean, I'll bring a picture and show you. Like, it's concerning. But for the fact that it's like, but if you guys are just here for, you know, you're on the up and up, I'm I'm here for it. Cheapest security system you can ask for, huh? Yeah. If yeah. they sting one of your dogs, that could be bad too. But. I could look into it. <laughs> you know. But it is. They're resilient little guys. If you trust them, just throw in that doggy door now. This like, this is like the, you know, this this is biology, right? Now's a good time. Now's a good They're time. They're kind of at the top of the food chain, so they kind of help, you know. Yeah. So I think for now, we're just going to kind of let it ride. Appreciate that warning, though. <clears throat> Next time I come to your house. Yeah. Well, I mean, just introduce yourself. They're pretty polite. <clears throat> they don't really mess with you too much. All right. I feel like I should. I think we I, have a I good should, understanding. I feel like I could write a meme about this right now. 
Have you seen I that? Have also you seen that meme? See how big they can build that Have you thing? seen that like meme it's... of uh, the spider that the dude saves? And then, like, so, like, there was, uh, I love this because it's totally my dad. My dad would just save every bug. He wouldn't crush it. He would take it outside, let it go. Um, and my mom would always just be like, what are you doing? Just kill it, you know? And uh, so <laughs> there's this dude, the same, like, in this, in this like, little cartoon, this guy uh, saves this bug. His wife's yelling at him, like, get rid of this, you know, kill it, whatever. And he's like, he's, <laughs> and he says to the bug, he's like, all right, saved you this time. Next time it's my turn, you know? <laughs> and then, like, it shows the next scene where, like, a burglar's, like, breaking into their house. And then, like, an, the next scene where it's, like, he gets a bullet to the head. And then it shows, like, uh, the spider just, like, thumbs up with a sniper <laughs> rifle. <laughs> I'm just like, that could happen. I know, dude. That's I, why we got to save bugs instead I don't of killing them. I don't know what happened, but I just had that switch, like, a few years back. And I'm like... Dude, this guy, this little thing is just trying to survive. How do you feel about big wolf spiders with hundreds of babies on its back? Okay, so if you want to get into like like Australia bugs. Okay, I'm not talking about, we don't live in Australia, bro. Have you seen those bugs though? I have. Uh, have you seen yeah. the camel spiders? Demons, dude. Never going to visit Australia. Have you seen those spiders, Nephilim, those fallen angels started doing you know what with <laughs> yeah. human or earthly dude. spiders and they, they made something weird. <laughs> the spiders are freaky. The spite like... Wolf spider, a good size wolf spider is freaky. Yeah, you got You got to squash the infestation. Yeah, I don't think. Problem is, if I, it's inside I the house. That's one a different. In my garage, story. one time, it was a big one, and I didn't see that it had the How babies big? on its back. Oh, I mean, it had leg span was easily that big. Like a sand dollar. The body, <laughs> the body itself was like at least like bulbous Bro. and kind of like that big. I've never I mean, seen a spider that a big. A massive spider. Yeah, yeah they come from the die. they come I'm from sorry. the big uh, palm trees. A lot of time, I think they hang from out. the depths of hell. Yeah, basically. Um, Seventh realm. I stepped on it. All I saw was like hundreds of tiny spiders. No, 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 no. Just come from underneath my foot because they were on the mom's back. That's what nightmares are made of. See, you got you to. I, I, I was so paranoid, but I read. Hell no. I, I read when they're that small, they don't survive without the mother. So you got, I mean, I yeah. kind of wrote on that for a little bit. We we didn't get like arachnophobia, you know. I'm going to say just, you know, so stick, to, stick to wasps and, uh, you know, maybe. You mean no. wasp? Stick to wasp? Wasps. <laughs> There's no S. We're gonna we're gonna make it the sheep. I'm gonna ask Google because they never. Uh, that is sad. There is an S on the end of it. Yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> um. All right. So this is. Uh, I saw a um interesting. Or I heard a podcast. Uh, it was actually called uh, Meaning in the Middle. So shout out to those guys. It's a great podcast. Um, great it's, name. It's a, it's a, a it's name. an atheist and a Christian pastor and they're like best friends. Cool. And so they just talk about things. It's, it's really interesting. Uh, a lot of like introspection and stuff. Um, but, uh, Ryan, uh, it's Ryan and Landon, Ryan, who's the pastor of that, um, of, of that pair. Basically he told a story about, I think that it was like these priests who were going into, and this is kind of this kind of sums up like a lot of what we're trying to do in this podcast, and and we're trying to point out um, that we have our own sets of you know laws and structures and um, different like practices that really it's like why are we doing this? Like if you really reflect, it's like why are we still doing this right now? Uh, what's the purpose behind it? Um, but basically, these priests would go and go in to pray, and there was this cat that was like bugging them every time they wanted to go in to pray. So before they would pray, they'd go tie the cat to a tree, right? Um, and then they would go pray. 
So at, at, you know, at one point, you know, pastors, uh, or priests retired or died or whatever it is, you know, new priests came in, they continued to tie up this cat. Um, and then one day the cat died. Hmm. And so what do they do is they come in, find another cat to tie to a tree <laughs> and then go in and pray. So it's like, it's one of these stories where it's like, obviously the cat was dead. The nuisance was gone. They didn't need to worry about it, but because you're not paying attention to me, I am, but because new cat, but because, new cat. you know, we need, we needed that, that like, you know, or that religious, it brought us a, a sense of security. Or well, comfort. it's just, it's just or, one of those things that they say were so used to doing it. They were doing it and they didn't even know why they were doing it. Mm-hmm. It's just because it was a ritual ritualism. Yeah. yeah. So, it's exactly like what we do in the church, right? It's especially with our structures and things that we've adopted over the last 50, you know, 100 years, yeah. right? Um, so really, it's kind of what we're trying to combat. I just thought it was a cool story, so yeah. wanted to bring it up. I love that. Have you ever um, heard uh, Bill Johnson? Um, shout out Bill. He's incredible guy. Um, he tells a story about a similar thing where, you know, look at what we do now in the religious or spiritual world. And, you know, it's our blueprint is traced back to, you know, the scriptures. Right. And so he kind of just tells a story of if, if you were to take a piece of wood, right. And cut 200 versions of that wood or call it a hundred, if it's okay, 2000 years, let's say 20 years of generation. So let's just make a hundred cuts. And every time you cut the wood, you use the previous piece of wood. So we're going to cut one piece of wood, Based off of the, the last piece of wood. Then we're going to use the new piece of wood to cut the next piece of wood. Then mm-hmm. use the ne- And he talks about, you know, a hundred iterations down the line. There's a very real chance that that final product is going to be very different from the original piece of wood. Yep. And it, he basically goes into this thing of like, you know, when we go, when we go to kind of create and build and structure our worldviews spiritually, you know, both individually and corporately as communities, you know, are we really aware and intentional about like, this is the blueprint, go back to the original blueprint and this is how we cut the wood. Or are we just like, this is how we were raised. This is how the previous generation, you know, passed off the battalion, battalion and baton. Baton. Yeah. That it's is a, the word. It's a battalion. It's the people that fight it's people. It's like a military force. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where I was going. Yeah. The that hand one's off, on me. They hand off an entire military <laughs> <laughs> unit. Yep. 800 P I think it's actually 800 is the battalion. Yeah. It's I don't know quite where my mind was. Yeah. Anyway, so they hand fine. the baton. Which is correct. Smaller. Um, <laughs> there's not a lot of words that start with BAT. Mm-hmm. Bat. Except bat and baton and battalion. I can't think of, uh-huh. doesn't matter. Um, but he's basically saying it's a similar vibe. It's like, if we're not careful, you know, we'll, we'll end up with this product. That's very different from the original version because, we weren't mindful enough to go back to the original blueprint and we just took what was handed to us and kind of tried to improve it, you know, based yep. on yep. whether it's a cultural thing. And I think, I think for me, one thing I'm, I'm trying to approach this with, you know, with a little more wisdom is realizing that like there are concepts in scripture that are meant to transcend culture. And then there are other, or other cult or other concepts that clearly are like a part of culture. Right. And it's like, which things, which things were kind of mostly a part of culture that got wrapped up in it, That's which tough. things transcend culture. And then it's tough to navigate. Yeah. Uh, who knows? But it's just, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and one of these things in, in the church is one of the things that we'll talk about today, but, um, this whole idea, you know, just aside from what we were talking about before, which is what those two stories really were kind of going back to that, us really doing life as Christians, you know, um, from, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth hand knowledge. Um, but you know, that, that's, again, that's a really valuable point, <clears throat> but, uh, today wanted to talk about really just, just, uh, people idolizing things, right? So whether that's, you know, the pastor, whether it's a worship leader and, and whatever, right? I mean, people are replacing God with his people, mm-hmm. the people he made. And it's just like, now we're worshiping these people. And, you know, in a general sense, when they slip up, it's almost like some people like who are really invested in those people and not God, you know, it's like their faith slips up and they're just like, they question everything because house of cards. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, wanted to dig into that a little bit, you know, and, and just kind of see, um, you know, how, how do we, how do you see the culture doing this? And like, what, what do we do to combat it? Yeah. Um, I think just there's human nature and, uh, it's challenging when there's kind of this like top tier and like, this is something that people would never really admit, but it's like, we, you know, I'll watch, uh, a a show on ESPN, right. And they'll make these lists of like top tier, you know, this is tier one of NBA players, basketball players. This is kind of tier two, pair them up with one of the guys at the top. This is a tier three list. Like, we just like to do this thing where you like rank people, whatever. We classify people. Yeah. We like to put things in buckets, you know, Any compartmentalize. Yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about that sometime. Dude. Oh, dude. I'm not a fan of these tests. Enneagram. It's, everyone talks about it. It's, it's as, it's like I, an excuse. Is that just specific to the church? Cause like. I don't know. It's big in the church. It's just the way people are like, able to enough. like classify people. <laughs> But then the other thing, like people say, like, it's good to know, like that way you know how to approach these people and stuff. And it's just like, well, use your brain. Don't be an idiot. Yeah. Maybe start there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, what I don't like is when people use it as an excuse. It's like, it's, I mean, dude, how is any, any gram different from like, uh, you know, astrology where it's just like, oh, you know, I'm a Scorpio and Scorpios do this. And, you know, so I'm a seven. So sevens just are like this. So I can't help that. Dude, I have a, it's just like. Are you I have serious? A, I have a snippet I'm going to send to you, and it is you are going to laugh so hard. I need to remember this dude's name first, but it is so funny because he just roasts like someone that was just like that whole like, you know, that time I like I went nuts. It's like you know Mercury was in retrograde, and like you know my I was all out of whack, and you know it's not me, and it was like, but it was like the extreme example of that thing. But I know I agree. I think Mercury it's, was in retrograde. It's like it's like this Ugh. thing where we just you know we absolve ourselves from the responsibility of being an adult because it's like a convenient excuse. You're like, well, I'm just, uh, you know, the Lord didn't give me patience. I'm, you know, I'm crazy. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Lord didn't give me patience. I didn't get that one. You know, That's funny. Sugar spice and everything. Nice. kind <laughs> of thing. But, um, yeah. You're saying we like to classify people. Yeah. We love to put people in boxes, but, but the hard part is like, you know, you think, you think about a young, young guy that's coming into ministry. That's wanting to start a church. Like who's he looking up to? And where's, where's the line drawn between like, I mean, we talked about it before, but it's like, you know, replication and duplication. And it's just, you know, we're, we're, 
and maybe even this would kind of fall into the whole concept of just it's become very common to just kind of use other people's sermons in today's world. It's like because it's so accessible, like it's just a weird reality. I think it's a, we're I think it's a commodity, right? Um, I think you know you you take a lot of people who aren't in the church, aren't whatever. They'll go to like a Tony Robbins type thing. They idolize Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. They don't know any I better. Do. They've got well, same, same. Well, I mean, yes, but most Dude, people, he takes me to a Tony Robbins thing. I have no, I have no reference for this guy. We get there, San Jose night one firewalk. I'm like, a what? Dude is like, no, we're walking no on joke. fire tonight. I didn't listen to any of this dude stuff beforehand. <laughs> and by the end of the night, we're walking on fire. Was this, was that one of those smaller, smaller gatherings? No, nope. he did. Yeah. Like 10,000. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, no, it was big time. Is it, it was, it's so the biggest a, event. Oh, so the big ones they do that too. Wow. Oh Yeah. But it goes back to, dude, that, that goes back to just like when you read them, when you, when you're around someone that's so authentic and I would put my dad in this bucket too. It was just, he believed it so deeply and lived it. So like, it was like, he would call me out. I I have so many memories being in the backseat of the car and we would be like, the conversation would just be happening. He was just, he was always quiet. And like somehow someone became the topic of the conversation and within like two seconds, he shuts it down. If we're saying anything negative about people, like any ounce of like gossip or saying anything mm-hmm. negative, he's literally just like, he literally just turned around and stop. He just, stop. We don't talk about people like that. Wow. And it's like something where, and even this dude, like the liver King who like this dude is obsessed with eating animals, nose to tail. And like, he's crazy, but because he is so invested, I watch a podcast and I'm like, I think I'm going to try eating animals nose to tail. Like, yeah, that's funny. There's something about like raw, radical authenticity that's just like it just draws. And that's probably you know part of the reason people are so drawn to Jesus is yeah, it was just so real, and there was right. no compromise within you know. What he well, I think there's this human desire, um, you know, on the idea of idolizing people. I, I mean, I think there's this human desire. I mean, you look at, I mean, uh, immediately when you told me what we were talking about, I thought of that, and it's like okay, when you have your earthly hero who's also your spiritual kind mm. of shepherd um you know just naturally that's created kind of conditioning in our minds where it's like yeah like these people are are who we're supposed to strive to be mm-hmm. you know and so it's like the, we want them to be perfect like we need we need to know that that exists and is possible and because we we need some hope for our lives that we can Mm -hmm. you know that we can do that so why absolutely why would you look to that person instead of looking to jesus as that example knowing that people aren't perfect well i think i think just because they're physically there yeah i mean it's so real i think the whole idea of faith and you know just the abstractedness of, of so having that tangible Jesus. example is really important. What you're saying to, mo- yeah. to most people. Well, I mean, yeah. the scriptures are just. I mean, it's all inside here. Yeah, well, you know our experience, and that's. I mean, that's largely part of my kind of journey right now. It's like the Bible makes it seem like Jesus is a really real person. I'm supposed to have a real relationship with him. But I've if, had real relationships yeah. with people, and I mean, if it's not as real as what I already have, like I, you know, I. So am I doing it wrong? Are other people just like satisfied with this level of that experience? Like, I don't know, but I just knew for me personally, I was like, I'm clearly looking elsewhere for fulfillment and belonging and satisfaction. I just think, I think you got to be careful because if you rely too much on idolizing, I'm not saying it's right. Yeah. I'm just saying that it's our, 
it's our, it's our natural tendency. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, but we get caught in it. And, and then, what's so tricky is because on the flip side of that, when you're the, when you're that person who's elevated, you like that feeling of people liking for it. Sure. sure. It's your identity. I mean, how, so what well, would happen? Always, what would happen if, if it was discovered that because, okay. So Tony, Tony Robbins, going back to that example, he's not, um, he, he's not pointing people to God, but he is pointing to people to themselves. Like, right. So their so best version of themselves. Right. So, yeah. so it is, he's pointing to something else other than himself, like, right. To, to get people to get this idea, but they still idolize him. Um, what if it were to come out that he was just a fraud? He did a bunch of shady sh- shit and you know, whatever. Right. What kind of effect do you think that would have on his following or his people? Well, I think it'd be significant, but you know, I think in the people who've tried to attempt it or try to take something he's done out of context, you know, he, he, I, I've been in the room with him many times, um, where he's like, look, I, I might in the moment say the wrong thing. I'm, I might be taken out of context. He said, but you know, you can look at 40 years of my life mm-hmm. and try to try to disprove me, you know? Mm. So I think, I think. I think what he just very humbly acknowledges, like, yeah, look in the moment with emotion, with whatever. I may say the wrong thing. I may not um, say the right thing in the right context. I may be misunderstood with what I really mean. But when you peel back and look at my life over 40 years, like, you cannot argue why I'm here, why I'm doing what I'm doing, that I am here for your best outcome to try to improve you however i need to do that so that's such a and that's such a strong position because you're basically taking people's you know the wind out of their sails when they try to like attack you um i don't i don't see many pastors come to that kind of like place of humility i i don't know if it's because of they feel like if they don't have that kind of position they feel like it weakens the message of christ i think sometimes i feel like they do feel that way um, I don't know if it's a pride thing for some people, but mm-hmm. if pastors would just like always remind people that they're human, I mean, because there's, there's definitely like, you're like, Oh, if you struggle with this and that, and it's just like, but I mean, it's kind of like by the way you carry yourself and you're on stage and like, you clearly are trying to exude this charisma and get people to follow you. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can see where, you know, I mean, obviously Tony Robbins is motivating people and all this stuff. I mean, that's different, but like when you're trying to point people to someone else. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't think I've ever heard that from state. That's a great, that's a great thing. Like, it's just, Hey, look at the past, however many years of my life, you know, is that like, let that be the Testament if I may not say the right thing in the moment. Yeah. And, and that probably just shows you why you've got him. Who's got a following of millions and no pastor has that type of pedigree well you what, know, i mean i mean there's a handful that have really strong following who mm-hmm. but it, look it's 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 counter human nature because i mean a lot of these guys put in a lot of effort um and the expectation is that they're supposed to give all the glory to god mm-hmm. you know it's like i've been grinding for 50 hours a week six yeah. years where's my recognition and i'm supposed to take no credit yeah it's that's interesting. You know, I mean, that's just, that's it's tough. counter. It's not human. <clears throat> it's just counter our nature. So, mm-hmm. so I think that's, I think that's just where expectations on these people are just so difficult, you know? 
Well, I think that's there's very little grace. Yeah, you know, and yeah, and it's interesting because I there was a relevant article that I I taken a few things from here. Um, relevant magazine. There's an article called "The Danger of Idolizing Christian Celebrities." Um. Yeah, so we should be concerned when our expectation for a Christian leader becomes more about what they can provide for us and less about who they are leading us towards. Um, we're basing our faith on them instead of God. Yeah, and I mean, and then at the same time, we want them to be normal, everyday people, but we can't have it both ways. Like it's like celebrity stars are just like just like us, but then you know when they show us their normal brokenness, we skewer them for having vulnerabilities and making mistakes. Um, and you know, again, what you just said, there's another, I'm just reading like little snippets of this, but we are much more willing to offer grace to people outside the church, but inside the church, we are stingy with it. Um, when we find ourselves disappointing Christian leaders, which we inevitably will, you know, that's true. I mean, right. I mean, not, you don't like, like fall in love with a pastor at your church. And then all of a sudden, like 30 years later, you're still in love with him. Never have had any issues with him, um, him or her. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Jeez, um, JJ, come on, come on! We just we talked just about this. Talked this. About this. Yeah. <laughs> when we uh, find ourselves, hey, <laughs> I've never said I'm perfect. Okay, guys, that's why you're so girls, real and I said it again. I said, guys, gosh, uh, can I wow. call? You? I can call you guys, right? Homies. Yeah. I think it's gender we're neutral. We're, we're homies. Guys, yeah. guys has turned into a gender neutral thing. I think. Yeah. Right. All right. Agree. Um. Yeah, and and yeah. So basically, what the article saying is, it's like. Um, you know, we idolize these Christian celebrities and they fail and then they like, are we, we really need to reflect on ourselves. And it's like, you know, I mean, who are mm -hmm. we following here? And that's different from, you know, people having a beef with people like Carl Lentz who had that whole issue just because he not only was basically punishing people for doing like, I mean, you could argue he was doing worse things than they were doing yet. He was like coming down hard on these people with no grace and then also leveraging his following to make all this money and have all these things, right? That's different to me. <laughs> but, yeah. but like, well, dude, we, imagine we just, like, imagine the circumstance where you are responsible for shepherding this church, these people's lives, whatever. You have somebody on your staff has some kind of failure, and you've got to balance grace for them as a human, but but also balance, hey, we've got a whole congregation that expects mm -hmm. this to be taken seriously, mm -hmm. right? Uh, yeah, yeah and we come from a background where it's like, I mean, there, there is no, there is no mercy. Like, it's like, it's, terrible. It's, it's like, if this happens, boom. And like half of the time, we don't, that story doesn't even come out. Like, it's just like, they resigned in disgrace. And it's like, we're not even going to talk about what actually happened. Like, we're just going to, that's what was interesting to me. Like when I, so when I was at a church in Missouri, I don't necessarily agree with this either, but they had like a family meeting. I think we talked about this, but they basically like publicly rebuked this guy in front of the entire church, which is I remember you was told horrible me to watch. And I, I was, I, I was close with his sons. I was sitting next to them in the in the crowd thousands of people and i mean you just you're like no one should ever have to go through this like this is like i, well, mean, I mean was the guy repentant for sure see and that's the thing well, jesus so never it did came that. out well exactly so i don't agree with it but the interesting part of that though he always was, he always showed all kinds of grace to people who were repentant yeah and i don't i don't condone it but yeah. but what was interesting though is because they were so 
um, transparent about what actually happened. Like there was no gossip. There was no, like everyone just literally felt for this guy that most of us knew. And it was like, there, no, there wasn't a lot of judgment. If anything, it was just like your heart breaks for that situation, that family. So in a way but they like, did something that was productive, but they should have yeah, gone about it differently. I wouldn't agree about how they, necessarily how they did it. Yeah. But it's like when you just, when someone just resigns and then there's no context, it's like people are going to talk. And it's like, it, it never made sense to me. Like, wh what's the reason that we have to keep it? But it, either way, I think to me that I have a very extreme view on this whole concept of restoration because I think too many people are hyper-focused on uh, the perception of the masses. And it's like, okay, so do we destroy this dude's psyche and... I mean, I can't imagine going through something like that publicly. And then, I mean, the shame that I would just carry, I mean, it, I mean, you're dragging your family through it. Like it's gotta be impossible to be in those shoes. And it, it's just so hard for me. Cause like, it's easy for people to look at a situation like that and be like, drop the ax, right? Like drop the hammer. But everyone, if they found themselves in that situation, it's like, I've talked about it before. Like when I was like basically stepping down from the church I was at, cause I was, you know, helping with music and just got a DUI, like called pastor the day after broken. So just like, I mean, disappointing yourself, but like, you know, whatever. But in a weird way, there was also an element of like peace that was like, sure. Finally released from like this, this burden of trying to have this front of perfect perfection yeah. hold and on, hold on stop talking sorry i gotta there's a there's a buzz on your mic all that buzz. all that wasps <laughs> talk yeah they're coming hmm. well the gate shut, gets rid shut. of it but we're gonna have to fix that for the next time sorry sorry listeners go on um, yeah, I just think end of the day, um, because of how it's typically been approached, like when you have a spiritual, I heard it for a sec, when you have a spiritual leader walking through some challenging things, mm -hmm. it's like, because of how they've seen other people dealt with now, it's like clearly like I'm ashamed of this thing cause I'm hiding it. Yeah. Keep talking. But there's a part of me that wants this thing. And because of how I expect this to go down on the other side of me being open and honest, I'll take this thing to my grave. And, you know, I understand from a human perspective why we do that. But it also makes me wonder, like, what would it look like if someone was willing to say, like, hey, I know this is messy, but like we never promised perfection. And end of the day, like, I know it hurts and we'll walk with them through it. And, you know, we can come to terms on what the actual restoration process looks like, but to just blanket say like any issue, you're two years out and you got to go through this program, this program, this program. Like when someone sees when the, when the punishment is so tangible, what did restoration look like? For Jesus, I mean, during during that time, 
I don't know, man. He 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 revealed he revealed a deeper level of himself to people, and then just straight mm. up said, "Go and sin no more." Like, and that's why, like, even when you know after the after his baptism, you know, you know, he crazy? says like, yeah. "Just repent," because the kingdom of heaven is like at hand. Like, it's not like somewhere we're going if we like do good enough here. It's like there's a way to live that can introduce the kingdom of heaven into your life now. Right. Yeah. The other thing too is you create these processes and these roadblocks and different things that like people know that's what's in store for them if they slip up. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden, instead of seeking help for anything, people just start hiding stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus was like, you're forgiven, go sin no more. Okay. If that's what I know is in store, I, Hey, I'm not, I'm going to try not to sin. But if I do, I feel much, I mean, I feel much better about telling Jesus or whoever that mm-hmm. I'm sinning if that's the kind of response I'm going to get. I mean, just the reality, like how many, like, like just a percentage, you know, how many, what percent of pastors who have a moral failure, some failure are like running to their elders and to their mentors and to their board to, to talk to them? No one, no one, because at that point, at least it would it probably not get to the point where it does, you know, it would have gotten taken care of before which is before it got to that point but what but what if we were able to build cultures like that we need to i'm I'm thinking that's why we bring awareness to this stuff and it's challenging you know it is challenging you know when it's like a lead pastor versus like maybe an associate or something like that but yeah you know end of the day though again to once you idolize people when when they are actually when we find out that they're actually people and not perfect you know somehow that shakes our faith like, yeah, that's no, what's that so funny. Sense. It's like, you know, you can look at the evolution over the last 30 years of like, you know, youth pastors probably get the, the worst rap, but it's like, you go to like a church conference and it's like a bunch of like oh, a bunch of little Carl Lentz is running around here. Like, oh, you guys wear Charleston's and swoop next now. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. You're from rural, like Arkansas. <laughs> like I know for a fact you guys they, don't dress, like, don't that dress like that. Yeah, <laughs> like, for sure. Like, but there's just this constant need to like yeah. emulate or replicate, you know, cause it's like, you know, this guy is who I view as successful. Right. And like one of the first times when I moved to Florida, I went to a church um, and I was starting to help out with youth and, and it was like a big youth night. Cause like the lead pastor was coming. Right. So it's like, get to all your friends. It's like, they kind of hyped it up a little, little more went into that night. That's funny. And Normally listened- youth is like, we don't want the lead pastor there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, who knows how that came about? Yeah. Well, the youth pastor, I don't want to divulge too much of this. Yeah. It's what not, a, what it's a not different, important. what a different way to do not it. Important. Um, <laughs> so, but I literally was in this thing. I was helping out with music. And I, it was so ironic because I almost felt like it was like a Christian, here we go, Christianese. It was a God thing. Like it was literally, I just listened to Andy Stanley preach this sermon that was like pretty solid, right? Like it's like, he did a good job. I just, and then like a week later, I listened to this dude give the same sermon, like same jokes, same like points the whole way through. Doesn't once mention that it was anyone else's sermon. And, And you just sit there and you're like. I started thinking like, God, why? Like out of all the sermons I could have listened to a week ago and out of all the places I could be right now, what are the freaking odds? And like, same jokes is tough. How do you look at this? How do you look at this spiritual leader and just think like, you know what you're doing? You're just like, he's a robot. Yeah, that's, that's tough. And it's, uh, do you want to go into this whole thing? Well, hold on. Nathan thoughts on that while I change his cable out. Thoughts on what specifically? I mean, restoration or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. 
Um, yeah, look, I, it needs to be, uh, I guess, my viewpoint from an outsider looking in. You know, I think, I think again, balancing, hey, this is a serious thing, you know, like the, the 99% matter so much that we have to handle this serious, you know, there needs to be, it needs to be a serious thing, right? Because, you know, it's like part of the, it's like part of the challenge with kids, you know, and there's no, when there's no consequence, there's no kind of behavior, you know? So, right. Um, you know, but then you, but then I've been reading a lot. It's like, okay, well, I mean, how do we train animals? You know, it's like, well, we reward when they do good things and we ignore when they do bad things. We can take care of that later. Right. So we don't, we don't like physically abuse or shame or, or you can do it now, whatever to animals, you know, we just focus on rewarding the positive behavior, not, not really just highlighting or jamming on the negative behaviors. Yeah. So how do you do that with pastors? You throw them them like animals, throw them little fish (laughs) when they do good. Hey, do a flip. Here's a fish. I Uh, think it's to me. So much of that just starts with the pastor. Just like, just, just being real. Like if if you're, if a, if you're a pastor and you're struggling with things, it's like, how, how do you benefit by hiding what you're struggling with? Like, I probably wouldn't come out and tell the whole church I have an addiction to pornography if I was a pastor and that was my thing. That'd right. be tough. But, like, I mean, if you, however you want to, however you want to address it, no, like, that got, that the got more that those, you, yeah. the more that you put in the shadows, like, it's just this, it's like whatever you feed is going to grow. End of the day. And, like, if you just make a habit of coming out, like, that's why for me, like, there's a lot of people I know for a fact that are concerned about me with this podcast and I'm just like, are you worried about the reputation of what you feel like you're a part of? Are you worried about my salvation? Either way, it's like the first reality that we have to address is like, I'm done being in the shadows and hiding and masks and imposter syndrome. Like, and of course, I wish the process wasn't messy, but what do you do? You know, it's like for me, if I were to hear a pastor really open up, be raw about his challenges and struggles, dude, I, I can relate to that. You, you know, know it's, you know, what's crazy is um, I think people are so hesitant to be like that. But if they were more like that, people would love them so much more. hundred percent. You know, yeah, I, I completely think humility, um, you know, we're so scared for other people to see our flaws or imperfections. No, cause right now I've heard, and it's what makes you relatable. Yeah. Absolutely. I've heard so many people just like, um, talk about our pastor we have now as like, just, yeah, I've just never, I've never seen him sin. I've never seen him do anything questionable. It's just like, I'm not that you're supposed to as a, as a lead pastor, but I mean, that's why I was saying before that like a lot of pastors are just seen as untouchable. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they elevate themselves like above everyone else, like over righteous kind of, some people don't do it on purpose, but it's just kind of what happens when they, when they appear to never be relatable. And that's why I don't know. I was telling you guys, it's like, I had gone to a service this last weekend. Um, and this pastor comes up on stage to kind of close everything out. It's the first time he had come up. He was the lead pastor 
And all of a sudden, like, he had this weird, you know, that reverend accent people get. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? They're just like. I mean, I, you I know, think I do. You know. <laughs> you know. I don't want to cast judgment on this fella. <laughs> well, I think you know. Um, where where he just kind of starts talking like, like, you, like, you know, when we talked about people praying. It's just like he's talking like. It feels fabricated. So, no one talks this way. Right, and all of a sudden you're coming up and giving us this like spiel. Like, you sound like a charlatan. Are we talk like? Are we talking like? And give it y'all all like like we're just going in like a, an accent or just more like not enthusiasm? that intense. Um, but yeah, I mean all the like Christianisms and all these different things he was doing it. Um, and it, yeah, it, it's it was a way of like presenting himself and the way they. If you heard it, you would know it, right? But it's basically the, just the pastors that like elevate themselves with a change of speech, right? They just like, um, the anointing drops. Yeah. Right. Something. It's just like, I have to, I have to have this different voice so that when I come up on stage, people know that I'm different. Mm. Right. That's what it feels like to me. And then at that point I immediately shut off and didn't listen to anything he had to say. Um, and and that's what, (laughs) that's what happens. (laughs) Um, but I, you know, and it's just, it's a no turn off, to make right? God have mercy on your soul. <laughs> so anyway, we've talked a lot about pastors there. I did, I did see another article here. Six ways your church could be practicing idolatry. Cause I was just doing some searches on stuff. It's interesting. Uh, the first one here is idolizing the local church. Ooh, I'm, I'm big on this one. Which is crazy, right? I mean, cause as soon as I say that, we all know people who are like, I love my church. My church, my church, my church. How many and times? what they're thinking about is the Dude, building. How many t-shirts have you seen? Right? Mm-hmm. Dude, you know, we no. literally came out with shirts that were like, I love my church. Didn't wear it one time. I was like, I'm not wearing that. Yeah. No, I just like. No, I mean the car, the car magnets, like all of the stuff that just people are like, it's just like promoting the brand of the church. Well, how many times have you heard from uh, a stage that like the local church is the hope of the world? It's the bride of Christ. Bride of Christ and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. But it's like the actual verse says Christ in me, the hope of the nations, the hope of the world. Yeah. And we like to do this subtle switch because it's just like, you know, plant yourself in this house because a a tree that's planted by the water will always be fruitful. (laughs) And it's like, dude, it's not the local church is like it's Christ in you. Like, and I know that's supposed to be the church. But again, back to our previous conversations, it's like most people. When they think of the church, it's just this building, this organization. No, when you're talking about with these other churches, yeah. When you talk about the but t-shirts it, and and all that stuff, like that's promoting the building, the organization. It's not promoting the group of people. Well, because what Christ in me, the hope of the nations, literally means it's an individual thing. Yeah. And then you gather with other individuals that have that conviction, and it can become a corporate thing. Right. But first and foremost, always must be an individual thing. Yeah. But now it's like, let us put a label on this thing so that when people come, they can feel like they belong to this. Well, it's and some it's people like, yeah. imagine just going to church and you're like, oh, my church does so much for our city. And you don't give to the church. You, you just show up for an hour, drink their coffee. You're not the church. And you're just like, but you think you are. You think you are. And you're because just like, you oh, show involved up in this, this organization. This well, dude, that, so that's the problem, you right? The, the problem, the problem is the people, you know, the mm-hmm. church have had to, I, 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 um, I've been sitting on this thought. I heard a pastor friend of mine say this a few weeks ago. It's like, you know, so, so many times our focus is wrong. Like we're not. Like we're not trying to motivate people to get involved to serve on a Sunday, we're trying to equip them to For, go yeah, serve 
Monday through Saturday, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, it's because most people don't do this, that the church has to create all these programs. Hey, we're all going to get together to serve because y'all won't do it on your own. Mm -hmm. So now we've got to rally this group of people to go to this place, this group of people to go to this place. Mm -hmm. And so the church has just because a lot of people suck and are selfish have Mm -hmm. had to like, have had to create all these programs and groups where I think the church is getting credit by accident Mm -hmm. because the church does care. The leadership does care about the community. Right. But because, because their people aren't doing it. Yeah. But I, yeah, you're right. I guess what I'm, what I'm talking about when I say idolizing the church is it's a, it's a global, I mean, not global. It's especially an issue in the United States. And here in the Western world, because when, when, I mean, it's just, you'll see people move from other towns to be like, Oh, I need to find a good church. I need to find a good place, you know, whatever. And then, and then they start to speak like, I love my church. My church is so great. Like we do all these things, but you know, like you were saying, I do love my church. Yeah. I, I know. Am I one of these people? Uh, well, you got a dope church. Maybe <laughs> depends on your heart. That's fair. Depends on your heart. Check your heart. Go. Heart check. Um, Doyle. John Chris. But it's just like, I mean, when, when you talk about, you get so heavy into the branding and all this stuff. And, and granted, like, no church is perfect. Like, I, you know, I could say I love my church, but like, I could say I love all churches and hate all churches equally. Because <laughs> they're all this, like, you know, many of them are the same. Like, to where, I mean, they're not perfect. They're not going to have perfect people, you know. And, and so it's just like, and that's fine, because that's how God made us. Um, but you know, I'm not going to hold the church up on a pedestal because I mean, it's just like, I've seen people get hurt by the church. They leave, you know, other people come, they love it. It's just like the, everyone's experience is different. So it's not about, you know, the church or the staff or the pastor or any of that. It is about the people. It's about community, about relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. but I mean, so like what, what do you think, uh, you know, we talked about going overseas and churches like overseas and missionary, you know, work and stuff like that. When you go visit a church or build a church or you can do these things in other countries. Um, how much do you really time do you think they spend talking about their church brand versus how much they spend talking about Jesus or God? I mean, yeah, none. It's not I mean, like, it's not like come to, you know, I, I don't, it's I don't literally like on it. the board. It's like Iglesia de Jesus Cristo. It's like the church of Jesus Christ. Like they don't even have a name. That's they it. don't have branding. Right. Like they don't have flyers. Like it's like third world. I mean, I remember being in, uh, Los Momeas, it's a kind of suburb of Santo Domingo and, and, uh, the Dominican Republic. Most of these people are living in like horrible situations, dirt roads. I mean, we would just go out and just like, <laughs> we'd be running around like, quieres like venir a iglesia anoche? Like we just, just go out in the streets and yell at people like, you want to come to church tonight? Like, and it was just, they would meet any night. I mean, it was just, a, it's just a different experience. And like this has kind of always been something that I've wrestled with internally. Because my my thought is like you know, and while I'm thinking about it, I mean, if you're just going to go to church and just hear a message and do worship, you go to any church you want. Like you go to different church every week, bro. You could do it online. You, have, you don't even need to go. I'm to just church. saying, if you have a community and you have your group of people that you do life with, and you're all Christians or whatever, I mean, you don't have to be all be Christians. I mean, you do life together, and you know, like we do life together. Yeah, and it's. If you have those group of people, why why do you need to be loyal to church? You really don't need to. 
right? I, I mean, I would agree, but you that's go not to a very popular opinion. No, it's not. Un- it's not a very popular opinion. I'm, I'm taking it to the extreme, right. right? To prove a point, it's just like there's. I mean, the reason it feel like the reason we need this branding is because we're not doing a good job at connecting people and making people people feel like the community. They need to be part of the brand. We need membership. We need something to hold well, these too people. Too many people just check the generosity box by like showing up to a church on a Sunday because it's like, oh, my church does good things. I go there, you know, once or twice a month, and now I don't have to feel bad for being selfish and keeping all my money all the time. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'm just projecting. Why you still feel feel empty because mm-hmm. you, you really don't understand generosity unless it requires your personal sacrifice or resource. Right. Right. Well, and that I, I only say that because we look at statistics, like such a small percentage of people are actually actively giving and partaking in like this experience. A like any church, I'm going to guess a very small minority are people really consistently giving and consistently serving. So it's like, the problem is we've talked about this a lot before, but it's like when I, if I think about leading an organization like that, all of my resources go to those people, to the, to those people that are giving and actively serving and engaged. Yeah. I don't care about who wants to, to like, it's like any organization. They say like 20% of the people do 80% of the work, or it's like Jordan Peterson even talks about just the laws of the universe. Like the biggest stars get the most gravity. Like, it's just, we have this obsession because our privileged culture, we want everything to be fair. It's like fairness was never a part of the order of nature or even the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Nowhere do you see that. It's like to those who have worked hard, they're going to get the most. And to those that want to be lazy, they get nothing. Like it's just the reality of it. But now it's like we have all these people because it's, again, our metrics. What's what's success? We get we get obsessed with butts and seats, and we think that actually translates to, to real life change and success. And so it's just like, on, dude. every number has a name. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Triggered. So feel like you belong, but it's, you believe. Yeah. It's like, dude, it, when I look at it, it's like, yeah, no wonder, no wonder we're spending all of our time trying to figure out how to get more people involved instead of just really, really developing deep, deep, like, beautiful relationships with the people who are actually involved. I mean, think about what Jesus would do. He, he reveals the kingdom of heaven and he says, follow me or get lost. And he doesn't go back. Yeah. Like, I feel like now we're just like, we're sending people their fifth fricking letter. I mean, like, thanks for visiting us that one time on Easter. Like, how are you? How are you? Come back for it's a free like, car wash. <laughs> dude, like just focus well, on well, the dude, people. It's, it is so interesting. There. So Luke and I have talked a lot about is we're pretty involved with our youth program and it's like, well, how, how do we, you know, when you look at the need and the hurt in the world and our sphere is the youth and the high schools and you meet with these high school principals and it's like, yeah, before COVID we needed this much help from our mental health and social work counselors. Now we need literally five X that two years later. And it's just like, man, this is crazy. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I, and, and you guys see, I have some of these kids come to the office sometimes and, we hang out. It's like, okay, I, I understand how you do this one-to-one. And the question that mm-hmm. we're asking is, well, how do we do this one-to-many? Well, Nate, Nate can't have 500 right. high school friends that I text and follow up with. And how's it going on top of how your wife and home? four children and business. <laughs> and yeah, you know, it's just not possible. <laughs> so, so the only way to do it is to, is to build up that team of people People so need everybody to catch fire. can have one to one, right? Yeah. So, so the question is, okay, well, so 
we've obviously done a bad job of that up this point because we've not been aware that we mm-hmm. need to do this, right? And so thinking through, okay, hey, we've promoted some of these students to be student leaders. And it's like, well, well, we gave them like a promotion with no perks. You know, we said, hey, mm-hmm. we want you to do this, but we're not going to invest any more into you, but we expect you to be here to yeah. serve extra at this time. We need you to give up more of your time, right. resource, whatever. And so we're, we're something that stuck out to me from a Hillsong conference uh, a couple of months ago that I feel like has been haunting me is, you know, Pastor Brian was talking about, it's like, hey, look, I, I can't worry about everybody on the periphery. Like, I, I just can't physically communicate mm-hmm. with hundreds of thousands of people. He said, my job is the circle that I have influence in to invest into them, to resource them, and the hope that they will do that to their next yeah. wave of people, right? So we're looking at saying, okay, you know, how do we do that, you know, with these next group of kids so that I can't, I can't reach 50 people, right? But if we can really invest into 15 kids mm-hmm. and they each reach to three people, like we've almost hit 50 people, you know? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's interesting to think about, like, you go back to the creation of the early church and it was primarily Jesus apostles that were kind of heading this thing up, right? As far as I know, I mean, there are some... A lot of, like, if you look into it, like, some people think Peter had a wife, but largely most of them, single guys, right? Just kind of, they never got married, or at least we don't know about it. But when you think about it, like, now, in today's world, we have pastors, and it's their vocational career, and they work, like, 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. It's like, well, I don't know how much you can get done 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, because everyone else is at their job 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, and it's like, your role is like, okay, come up with your sermon, which half of y'all are jacking other people's sermons. So it's, that's a whole different conversation, but it's like, how are you going to invest in people when your billable hours are like when everyone else is working? It's like, it makes sense. Like you have, if you're going to commit to spiritually leading people, buddy, your nights and evening, your nights and weekends better be available. Mm. Like, how can you connect with people so what, this is what it looks like. It's just like, okay, well, I'll just meet someone for lunch every day. And then it looks like, it's like, dude, how much are you sacrificing? Like, I've been behind the scenes. I've seen the current pulled back. It's like, uh, this could be a part-time job, like in terms of like how many things you actually have to do. Yeah. And it's like, I think most people would probably be upset if they saw their pastor's like paycheck versus if they followed him around for a week and were just like, what do you actually do? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, I don't think that would go well. I mean, we're just, we're straying so far from where it started again. I mean, I mean, people didn't get paid to do this. I mean, it was a sacrifice, right? right? And also it's just like you had more pastor like people that were a part of the church to where you saw them interacting with people and it wasn't just the pastor's job. Well, and you got guys like Paul who's kind of spearheaded the thing was literally knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus and blinded for three days by Jesus. And like, it's like, if that happened to me, like, okay, bet I'll start a church. Like, (laughs) but it's like, we got too many people that like are seeing people out here. I mean, people dude, like we, that goes back to idolizing. It's like, dude, these are pastors. (laughs) And like, they also get to wear like off white clothes and like have super nice things. Like I could be a pastor. That'd be sick. I mean, yeah. I mean, I wonder how many people just like raise their hand. They're called to ministry because of like, <laughs> they see that stuff. And this is like, you know what? This pastor doesn't do anything. Well, they we over spiritualize it. it. This is a great job. Cause that's what that's, I mean, dude, I just come from a different world where it's like, when did you get the call brother? And it's like, ah, oh, sixth grade camp and the Lord. <laughs> and it's like this whole thing where it's just like, 
you know, we, and, and this kind of goes to a larger topic for me where it's like, there's, there's this movement within Christianity. That's just like, just surrender everything to Jesus and let him run your life. But it's like, okay, I understand that that is biblical, but like also context, like that means it's time for you to do a lot of work, buddy on self-discovery and awareness and say like, I don't just get to be like, Jesus, you can have everything. And and then like, but you don't actually do any work. And then we all know people who are like, so how have you been in the church for decades? And it, it seems like you're becoming less and less like Jesus. You're yeah. just like, what? I, I feel like you might not be doing it right. Yeah. Like there's this weird thing where like, we just think that just this blind faith belief. And it's just like, now I don't have to work on me because I just, you know, crucify the flesh every day, which they probably don't even understand what that really means. All right. So let's give pastors a break for a second. Well, I mean, I think it's important to clarify. I think a lot of them have the right heart. Correct. Yeah. I think what we're, what we're talking about is like the lack of awareness. The actions could be a little different, a little account. I mean, it's easy with the, with the system and structures we have set up now, it's easy for pastors to get lazy and complacent. And it's just like, it's like a, well, I think it's I mean, almost it's like, like the, a it's like a ninth grade teacher that reuses the same curriculum every yeah, yeah. year. It, it's almost yeah. like the job description has been very, very heavily like influenced, right? Like from hey shepherding people and coming up with ways to reach the lost to now hey, we need fifteen meetings after every Sunday to talk about what went wrong, what could we do better mm-hmm. Dude, meetings. Oh my God. Meetings <laughs> you know, in churches. Like, it's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like, it's like, this could have been an email part <laughs> 20 million. <laughs> no, there's some, um, yeah, there, I mean, yeah, there are churches that spend whole days. So, but just, I'm just saying the whole, the whole frame of reference, like the whole job description of a pastor has just gotten so tainted where, it's like the, it's not the people's fault. It's, it's like, like we need oh, to hey, redefine I, and I bring it that. back. I can have the church pay for breakfast and lunch for me every day because I'm just going to go hang out with right. some of my friends who go to church and mm-hmm. and uh, you know hit hit a quick meeting here or there. Got to get at least one round of golf in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, <laughs> doing that ministry. Too, man. It's my quiet time with the Lord. Four yeah, hour, interrupted like, hours on the links. Like, <laughs> when it's like okay, you know, if you really approach this from like a just a really business standpoint, if you had actual KPIs that pastors had to meet mm-hmm. that were really relevant to biblical calling for pastors, it's like, wow, that would, that would really radicalize mm-hmm. the church. That's, I mean, yeah, they won't, they won't do that again. <laughs> don't hold your breath. Yeah. Again, it's what you said earlier. I think what is it about human nature that makes us so afraid of vulnerability and humility when we also see like the flip side is like the more vulnerable and hum- like humble you would be willing to be, the more it would actually help you reach people. Like it's just, it's so bizarre to me that just human nature is just, we're so hyper-focused on the PR aspect and the, and the reputation that it's like we can't even show a crack in the foundation. Like this thing's got to be squeaky clean. Right. And we and we even have, you know, doctrines and teachings like, you know, it's like super high value for purity. It's like, look, I get it. I get it. But again, back to the awareness thing. It's like Tony talks about this a lot. 
Like people make big life altering decisions at places of like either the mountaintop or the freaking like bottom. It's a rock bottom experience or I experienced something that was so great that I'm choosing this yeah. forward. And it's, it's too easy. Like in, for me, anyone, everyone has their own opinion. I personally would rather make decisions out of the mountaintop yeah. for not to have to hit rock bottom sure. all the time. All and the, the sad time. reality <laughs> all the time that it's like every all big decision frequent. I've ever had to make. It's like, well, I tried this and it's pretty much ruined everything. So <laughs> maybe let's try something else. And I don't know. It's, yeah. it's first you have to just, you have to be okay with the messiness of it. Right. Like we just don't want to like, like this happened. I mean the same, same thing. It was, um, the pastor that ultimately got removed at the church I was at was placed under another pastor's care to like restore him. Turns out that other pastor was also going through all kinds of nonsense Mm. And it was just like, yeah, it's I no judgment. The sad part to me is that it's just like this culture of masks and shadows and hiding. It does not end well and it never will. It's this created by it's hyper focused on punishment. Well, yeah, that's, because that's we want people to know this false sense of rehabilitation. That's really just like, hey, we're going to ream you in front of the church. And that's why, like, dude, if it's me, if, if someone if someone messes up and. And they want to stay and work through it, you know, because some people just want to run. That's fine. But if someone really wants to stay, like, dude, bring it, bring it and be brutally honest. Yeah. And then tell him, like, he is part of this family and we're going to restore, we're going to restore him together. Yeah. And if that's not okay with you, like if I had a son and my son was messing up, like, I don't know if I've told this story on the pod, but Hodges has a great story of like his son was caught TPing a house. Mm-hmm. And he shows up, cops came, the kids were all sitting in handcuffs on the, on the side of the road. And he just walks up every single parent he's seen. They're just yelling at their kids, just yelling at them. How could you do this? I'm so disappointed in you. Da, 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 I raised you better than this. And he just sees his son sitting there. He just walks over and sits down and he's just, Hey bud, how you doing? Like, I want you to know I've, n- I've never loved you more than I love you right now. And you've never needed me more than you need me right now. Mm-hmm. But like, it's okay. Like, we're going to get through this. And now, I mean, fast forward, they have an incredible relationship. He's, he's on staff at the church being empowered to really lead and and kind of follow his dreams. And, you know, there's just something to be said for someone that's willing to just, I don't care about the optics right now. It's time to like restore my child. And it's, I don't care who it hurts. Yeah. He's got a, I don't remember the verse, but he references, it's like, all, all we want to do is like punish and focus on the negative instead of reminding them Mm. of the positive that's in them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's huge. Nice. Um, a couple of other things I wanted to talk about, just switching gears, kind of obviously idolizing money and materialism. We know about that. That's not really something we need to talk a whole lot about. Um, not really well, not that controversial. Um, idolizing worship team and experience is big. Um, yes. I mean, I'm guilty there. Yeah. I mean, whether it's, whether it's Hillsong elevation, Bethel, you know, you name it, right. All these individual personalities are coming out now. Like Maverick city is just kind of a, kind of an all-star team of all of these types of personalities. Mm -hmm. A lot of collabs. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's the same thing where people just idolize, um, and I think, it, I mean, a lot of times you can see it go to people's heads too, right? Like, 
it's just like people that like it's just almost like they really wanted to be a mainstream artist but they saw this opportunity to be a christian artist instead so they could be more popular <laughs> and so now yeah, it's probably won't get you know super I mean? far mainstream but yeah. we could take over christian music <laughs> yeah right it's just like yeah we could own this <laughs> and so yeah we got holes in our jeans <laughs> I make just as they won't be money. ready for this yeah they make a lot of money yeah and it's almost almost sickening to like i mean and and, and you know and i've heard people say like oh yeah so and so won't even set food in this place you know left for less than 15 grand which is small compared to mainstream artists but it's just like when you consider like the message they're sending and the message you know they're portraying with their music it's like whoops it's like uh what i mean you know is is that like is that cool like i don't know that may i mean i'm sure they have expenses they have you know tech teams and stuff that they have to you know but it's like for mm -hmm. a solo artist to go in there to be like yeah i mean you know i'm gonna need 15 15 g's just Dude, like hey, well. that i mean that was my main and I, you know i was obviously never on those kind of stages you know when i was in, in college involved in stuff I and mean, maybe have you know five six thousand people so i mean the reality is like you do feel godlike in those moments where you're just ten thousand people Five, yeah, 5,000 people packed out and they're doing anything you tell them to do. Like they're with you for the ride. I mean, that's why, I mean, I was always so aware, you know, in that world. Um, and I had, you know, pe I had good people around me and, um, but I mean, the reality was like essentially Lucifer was heaven's worship leader mm -hmm. and, you know, in the creation account Felt and it's like, boom, it's, there's a fine line between leading people and wanting like that kind of glory for yourself. Yeah. And it's a unique thing that the worship, that worship, cause, cause music is so emotional. It's, yeah. It just, it just, we connect on such a deep level with those experiences. And so I think even more than anything, like with a lot of what we've talked about, like the worship team and, and those worship leaders well, think about you go to need an, that freedom to really yeah. like, dude, there cannot be hiding in we your think life. think about it, go to a Hillsong or Evolution, or uh, Evolution, uh, Elevation concert. Evolution. Is that <laughs> Evolution <laughs> concert? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I see the parody videos. Oh, man. Um, it's going to be the upside down <laughs> <laughs> instead of the Elevation. That's awesome. Welcome to Evolution. Sorry. Uh, no, but like people are chanting and like, you know, they get crazy excited when they walk onto stage. It's right. like, this is like, how many of these people are like excited to worship God right now? Right. And how many of these people are just like excited to see their people? Pastor Steven. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Don't even I do love Steven Furtick though. I'm not, no shame. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm, I, I'm not as big of a fan, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, Hey, God can use everyone. Um, so <clears throat> Even a, a man from uh, Monk's Corner. Monk's Corner. Was it North Carolina? Monk's Corner? I think where he's from. Um, yeah, so there's a, yeah, so there's a couple more sections, like just things here. Uh, people idolize the Bible, which is, uh, which is kind of profound, honestly. Um, you know, and the, the summary of that section, because I know we're already over an hour. Uh, and that's just, not okay. Well, it's the Bible's the word of God, but it's not God himself. Essentially the idea. Um, you know, it can't save us from our sins, protect us from evil, do anything that God does. Only God does those things. It's our map. It's our teacher. And he gives us the knowledge of God that he wants us to have, but it's not the teacher or the savior himself. It's just this stuff we've talked about before where the Bible points to God, but it's ultimately our relationship with God and the spirit of God that's supposed to guide us and lead us. 
I mean, that's, you know, I've talked in length about this before, but that was kind of where I kind of just drew the line in the sand. I was like, I know everything the book says about him. Uh, that's arrogant. I don't know everything, but I have a pretty good grip on what the book says about him. I just, I want to know him. And it's like, if my experience or relationship with him is confined to this book, I define, I look at that as the same way. If I'm supposed to have an intimate relationship with someone strictly via text message. And I mean, if that's what it is, then all right. But it's something in me. It's like, there has to be more. And we talked about this before, but it's like, dude, all the people in Genesis for thousands of years, like the Bible wasn't even the first parts of the Bible wasn't written until Moses and all of like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Noah, like all of these people that we idolize yeah. had no book. Yeah. Like literally not even well, a, cause that's what everyone's I'll, like, well, they yeah, are the will, old Testament. These I, people had nothing. I want to read some of this because I feel like, I mean, granted, I'm not saying I, I'm, this is interesting. Plagiarizing. Uh, I'm reading this is checkmychurch.org is where this article's from. Stuff. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm citing my references here. <laughs> I, I didn't just steal this sermon, um, but it, it's, it's basically, um, this is what they're saying. I'm not saying like I'm an agreement necessarily with all these things, but it's thought provoking. Yeah. Right. Um, so there's this, I'll just read this a little, how do we idolize the Bible? Well, we're making it more than that. And yes, we can do that. We make the reading of the Bible essential for our salvation required for keeping our salvation and mandatory for being a member of the church or anything along the lines of making reading the Bible equal to having faith in believing in or having a relationship with God himself. And we're idolizing the Bible. When we claim that today's modern translated Bible is word perfect and contains absolutely no mistakes in any form, we are idolizing the Bible. When we say that someone isn't really a Christian unless they read the Bible every day or at least very frequently, we're idolizing the Bible. We believe our Bibles contain some kind of physical supernatural power that keep us safe, keep loved ones safe, or prevent themselves from being destroyed in floods, fires, and explosions. We're idolizing the Bible. I mean, those are interesting. Um, again, I'm not saying one way or another, but this is an article that just kind of provokes some thought about about that. I mean, it's God versus the Bible. If What's, you were if you were if you were to say like, "Hey, would I rather have the Bible or would I rather have God or Jesus?" It's like I think the answer is obvious, right? Yeah. Um, well, it's it's interesting. It was, was it that Greg Ford uh, sermon from the other day where it's just like these things are designed like there's there's a level of ambiguity within the scriptures because I think they're designed to be wrestled with. Like it's not meant to just be a rule book. Just, hey, you're going through some hard stuff. Here's your answer. Right. No, it's like, OK, now it's like we get the concepts, but like it's time to really begin to internally wrestle with. Okay, this is what it says. Now it's time to really look in the mirror and take like inventory on what's actually happening. Not like what the scriptures say are supposed to happen, but it's like, first, let's take some inventory. Does that line up with what the Bible says? If it doesn't, what's good? What's going on? Because I, I have a feeling that the Bible's probably like, for the most part, when you talk about biblical principles, I believe that is absolutely how the universe works. For the most part, right. I have so a question. It's like, yeah, it, it's a side note. It doesn't have anything to do with what you just said. What's for lunch? It's <laughs> a good question. Um, Mac and cheese. I'll ask that later. Napperoni. Whenever, um, whenever in court, do people really put their hand on the Bible before they take the stand? Mm-hmm. Is that a, that's a I'm pretty that's sure a still a thing? Yeah, yeah. That's why, why is Neil that Armstrong wouldn't. I was recently on a swear. Sure enough. Do we know why they make that is a thing? Drug, totally drugged out. This dude was like, had to come up and testify. I had no idea what he was doing. 
Put his hand on the Bible, though, didn't he? <laughs> he sure did. It's amazing. And it's you know like, what? You try, to, nice. you try to take that. You try to take that out of the courtroom. People will raise hell. But, well, it's like, but it's one of those things it's like where when we stop saying again, the pledge of allegiance in school. It's like, yeah. but the kids don't even know what it freaking means, dude. Well, like, who, I mean, the other thing, the other thing it's too not the is mound to die on. Well, yeah, and people think the pledge of allegiance is God, right? I mean, you know, I wasn't allowed God to do the pledge of allegiance when I was in like elementary school because of the Jehovah's Witness thing. Wow. Interesting. So every every day you just be like, and I'm gonna sit down. I sat, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and, and again with I'm none with none of these comments, am I trying to reduce or um, you know, uh, diminish the you know sanctity? I ended up sanctity. standing after a while when I, when I like <laughs> realized. So but funny. in my head, I was just like, I'm not allowed to do this. Sorry. <laughs> uh, do this one without me, guys. <laughs> Slightly less blessed. Deuces, America. Um, so no, and and none of this am I trying to reduce or diminish the sanctity of the word of God. Mm-hmm. Like, right. I mean, we just, we're having these conversations here because I think they're interesting thoughts and they're thoughts that people have. Right. Um, the, the last part of this, uh, before we stop here, um, idolizing human ideas and philosophies, which is real interesting. And I think it's kind of captured by the quote, uh, by CS Lewis here. There have been men before who got so interested in providing the existence of God proving the existence of God that they came to care for nothing, uh, nothing for God himself as if the good Lord had nothing to do, but to exist. There have been some who were so preoccupied with spreading Christianity that they never gave a thought to Christ. Mm. Um, again, this is just, we're, we're spreading a system. We're spreading habits. We're spreading rituals a lot of times. Um, Mm. and you know, it's just kind of, it's kind of sobering to read something like that. Right. Like written by CS Lewis who, right. you know, Narnia. Well, guy. I think it just, and I think, I mean, summarizing a lot of what we talked about, I mean, I think, I think the important thing to remember is like, um, you know, like, like the scripture references talking about pastors and leaders a couple of times talking about, um, well, he, you know, when you know more, you'll be held accountable for more. And, and then in James talking specifically about like, Hey, like maybe, maybe you shouldn't be, yeah, think like, hard about this. Think hard about this, right? You know, because not everybody should be a teacher, right? So I think, I think the important thing to just sit back and remember is like, look, God, at the end of the day, God, God's the judge, right? Like it's our responsibility, whether we're on staff with them, whether we're in their congregation, our, our responsibility, just like they're anybody else's, just to help them mm-hmm. get to heaven, help them heal, whatever. You know, it's not about mm-hmm. diminishing someone or making them feel worse, so that. Right. We can temporarily feel better about ourselves. And that's, I mean, that's why I think the Acts 2 account of the church is just so beautiful because it's like, it doesn't even mention pastors and leaders. It's just like, these are the, these people like, dude, they've, they believe so deeply in this thing. It's like, we're just doing it together. We don't need someone to convince us that this is what we're supposed to you know, do. You know, and you know, it's so funny. I'm sitting here thinking as you're saying that, you know, what's ironic is... It, it like makes me appreciate them more because what's ironic is, is if they're a good pastor, they would be great in the marketplace, mm-hmm. you know? So they're sacrificing a lot. So you just need some like to, high quality dudes to fall on their swords and get into the vocation. Yeah. You know, that's why I still to this day, man. Like when I talk to people about it, like I tried to pursue ministry for years and years and where it ultimately landed was, like I cannot personally justify paying my mortgage and that's just a personal place I got to because I wrestled with a lot of these things and I thought about this stuff and it's just like 
God, like maybe this is unfair, but it's like, if you want me, like, and if this is your will for my life, cause that's what, I mean, we, we dive into this thing and that's a whole different concept of like, you know, obsessing over the destination and, fo- and you know, fulfillment where, I mean, just the, the focus on that brings you out of the present moment. And that's kind of tragic, tragic in itself. But, um, my whole conviction was like, dude, if this is what I'm really meant to do, then like, you're going to need to open up some doors so this can all be privately funded. Cause I will not ask people for their money and use it for me to have nice things. Yeah. I just, I, I can't get over that. I, and I won't. And it's like, if that's where it all ultimately leads to, and I, I feel like I have a, you know, it's going to, it would only have to come from a very real journey wrestling through this stuff and a real revelation that it, that, it, you know, that's what I'm supposed to do. Then I'm not, I'm not doing it unless, or if we do it, like we don't, I mean, now in a, now, now in our cur- current culture, like you need the building and need these things, but it's like, you can't show me one scripture verse that says we need those things. I mean, we, we believe we need those things and it'd be hard to do it without them. I get that. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, so to wrap this thing up, um, I think, you know, with, with nuance, I mean, I think we can all kind of agree that, uh, you know, the focus should be on God, not the guy who talks about him. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, get, I mean, we need to normalize firsthand revelation and stop idolizing secondhand revelation. It's a good quote. I like that. <laughs> Let's milk more meat. Okay. Sorry, that was for the, that was <laughs> Christianese. Because <laughs> there's okay. Sorry. Oh, Quick less context. less milk, more meat. Yeah, because like I you thought said, you said let's milk more meat. <laughs> I'm sorry. Le- sorry, less milk, okay. more meat. Makes there's a, there's a Bible verse. We that, almost made it through a whole one. <laughs> ah, darn it. Yeah, there's a Bible verse quickly that just says like so Paul's saying like I wish I could like te- like talk to you about deeper things, but you're still like you're still on the milk in a sense of like, you're still like a baby where babies drink milk and then adults grow to like be able to eat meat. So the the concept is, you know, when you're, when you're a baby, you're eating essentially your mother's meal where she's, she's eating, digesting. Now you're eating or you're eating the milk. right? Right. So it's the concept of it's time to start, you know, teaching people how to feed themselves. Right. Teach a man to fish. Right. I'll just give him fish. Yeah. Get off the titty. (laughs) Hey, and that's may, a wrap. <laughs> may as well. All right. See y'all next time. <laughs> <laughs>